Hello, I'm Marsha Ogden. Welcome to my podcast, Directory of a Dream Life 50 Plus. It's for anyone who's passed that milestone, like me by a long chalk, and who, like me, has realised that we could be on this earth for another 30 or 40 years. So let's make the best of it. Hello. Welcome to episode 15 of the Directory of a Dream Life 50 Plus podcast. This one's called Turning It All Around because today's guest is another of the ladies I met when I spoke at the Her Story conference in Las Vegas recently. And for me, Kathy Takaro from Canada, who you're going to hear in a moment, absolutely stole the show. Her infectious energy had me hanging on her every word. And when you hear about her life and what she's endured compared to where she is now, and you tune in to how truly happy and inspirational she is, you'll be convinced that we all can turn our situation round with the right guidance. So, do you want to hear from Cathy? She'll be here right after this. The first of this week's life hacks is a very easy naan bread recipe. It's a bit different because you don't use normal flour, you can use almond flour or coconut flour and it's just that plus water plus salt. Very quick and easy and they taste like you really know what you're doing. So heat a pan and in a bowl mix one and a quarter cups of whichever flour you want to use and half a teaspoon of salt. Then slowly add a third of a cup of water. Mix it all together with your hands and break it up into small dough balls. Then roll these out to make little flat circular shapes. Pop them into the hot pan and cook them on each side for just 30 seconds. There you go. How easy and impressive will that look? Kathy, thanks so much for agreeing to be my guest today on the Directory of a Dream Life 50 Plus podcast. I know you're not 50 plus, by the way. I just love your I story. am 50. <laughs> you are 50. I, I just turned 50 June 1st. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, I, th- I thought you were early 40s. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> oh, you're well qualified then. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Oh, it's been it's been a transition, let me tell you. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, yeah. This is Kathy Takaro, who I met when I was at the Her Story conference in Las Vegas. And when Kathy bounced onto that stage, I, I was just transfixed from the minute you, you got up there. Uh, and not just from what you opened with, which was to tell us what your job is at the moment, which I'm totally in awe of. I had no idea I was in awe of a job like that until you started talking about it. And I'll ask you about that in a second. But um, when you went on to, to tell your story and it was so easy to see how you inspire and give courage to so many others with your amazing story, not just of overcoming absolutely extreme odds, but You've changed career a couple of times along the way as well and got through all sorts of, well, predicaments is too light a word for it, 
and I just wanted you to come on this podcast and tell us about your current job and then tell us how you got to that position because the story is absolutely riveting. It's something, I know. <laughs> okay, well, I drive the biggest truck in the world. And when I say that, it, it's not the trucks that you see on the road. Like people think, oh, that's a big truck. Yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a baby truck. Yeah. I drive a two and a half story high, 3,800 square foot monster <laughs> of a truck. It weighs a million pounds. It carries 400 tons of dirt on the back, uh, on, the, on its back. It is massive, yeah. massive, massive. Um, yeah. You have to see a picture of it, really. It's, um, uh, yeah, it's made by Caterpillar. It's the 797 heavy haul uh, mining truck. Mm -hmm. So the wheels, I'm 5'6", the wheels are twice my height. <laughs> That's just the wheel. <laughs> so, yeah. When you were up on stage, you had a, um, a big picture, a banner of it, didn't you? And it was just... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you need that visual, right? Yeah, <laughs> you do. Because yeah, yeah. otherwise you just can't fathom something that big. Yeah. But I've been working I've been doing this job for six years. Um, right before that, let me backtrack a little bit. I was homeless, uh, drunk and homeless on the streets of Edmonton here in Canada. I had lost everything I owned. I had a lifetime of trauma and abuse that I was unable to deal with, unable to acknowledge. I, I was really lost and confused. I'd become an alcoholic. And um, I ended up drunk. And this man, on the seventh day of being homeless, I mean, you want to talk to press. I mean, I had nothing, literally, the clothes on my back. My 16-year-old daughter wasn't talking to me. I had slashed my arm in a drunken moment. Uh, it was spent a long time in the hospital recovering from that. I, I almost died. But uh, on the seventh day of being homeless, this man named Toothless Joe, honestly, he comes up to me and he's, he's happy with his way of life, but that's fine, right? Mm -hmm. But he slaps me on the back and he goes, this is the life, live it, love it. <laughs> <laughs> Toothless grin. When he did that, it was like a, an act of God because when he slapped me on the back, it's as if that cloud of depression, that fog that I've been carrying around forever, mm -hmm. it's, it snapped. And, and I just, for one moment, I saw clear, I mean, crystal clear. Yeah. I'm looking at my, my, my surroundings and I'm like, what did you just say? I said, buddy, I said, this is not my life. I don't care what you think is okay, but this is not my life. I mean, I even stomped my foot. <laughs> so I, I turned around and I went to the hospital. I detoxed. I sobered up. And I went to a women's long-term treatment facility that they have. It's faith-based, so it's Christian. And what, they, what I did there, I lived there for a year. And I, I had to learn about boundaries, about codependency, self-esteem, anger management. Mm -hmm. I didn't think I was an angry lady until I took that course. Right. <laughs> anger <laughs> in different ways, right? Not just violence. Right. <laughs> oh. So I had to relearn who Kathy was. Like I had to unlearn all the trauma, all the stuff that had been fed into me since childhood. And I had to relearn who I really was. And then I had to accept it, which was the hardest part of it all. Mm -hmm. um, I had to realize that my past does not define who I am. Uh, the opinions of other people don't define who I am. But most importantly, that I am not the sum 
of all the lies that have been fed into me since childhood. Mm -hmm. So it was a real learning process. Like it took a total of two years um, of me being in and out of that place because I had a lot of layers. It's kind of like an onion, all, all the different layers. Yeah. And um, as soon as one would be dealt with, wham, something else would come up. Like I had repressed so many traumatic uh, memories from childhood that I, what I thought was on the surface, yeah, no, there was a lot more. Yeah. So that took a while. Um, what I had to do, which I didn't, um, um, what I had to do to get from Toothless Joe, I'm going to just backtrack a little bit before I move on. Uh, before Toothless Joe, <laughs> I actually had a really good career. I was a nurse for 13 years yeah. and I was a damn good nurse. <laughs> yeah. I loved my job. But the problem was, is that I didn't know how to um, care for myself. All I could do was care for other people because that was easy. Dealing with my own pain came secondary and there was no balance, right? So all my, my past traumatic and pain from, from, my, from my childhood and from my teenage years, I had swallowed it. You know, we carry around, we put things in that vault deep inside. And yeah. You know what? We'll just deal with that later yeah, or, you know, what? Move on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What happens in the past stays in the past. Let's just yeah. leave it there. Yeah. No, for me, um, it, it was festering inside and it had become so infected that all my decisions were based on low self-worth and a negative core belief. And what that means is that all my decisions were based on that. So the men that I picked <laughs> weren't the best quality men. Right. So, yeah. yeah. During my nursing career, I endured um, seven and a half years of extent, like really brutal domestic violence. I, I had no idea how to get out of it. I was in and out of women's shelters, um, still nursing at the time because it was easier for me to take care of their pain and rather than look at my own. Um, just to, I mean, domestic, what more can you say about abuse, right? Mm. Domestic violence, it's awful. Mm. In my case, I lived with a shovel on the on my porch as a reminder of what I'd be buried with. I mean, I, I miscarried due, uh, due to violence. I lived, I was literally, I had a bodyguard watching my every move. I was stalked, uh, just... I was under constant death threats, threats of being sold into human trafficking. I mean, I had an eight-inch bayonet knife uh, thrown at me, oh um, missing me by an inch, like yeah. just all sorts of horrendous stuff. But the problem was is that I just pretended that it never happened. Um, the, last, the last day I, I managed to escape him, I mean, he was strangling me, and, you know, he was saying, I'm going to take your bloody battered body, tie you up, put you in a truck, roll you down a hill, and burn you alive. No one will ever find you. Do you doubt me? So you can just kind of see that was in 2007. So it, I, when I escaped him, I had uh, I, I took a 36-hour bus ride and I, I got back to Edmonton and I went straight back into nursing with no help for the last seven years, no no counseling, no treatment, like nothing. So by the time, like I'm, I'm working, I'm, you know, you need a paycheck, so you put one foot in front of the other. You think yeah. I'm tough, I'm a survivor, I got this. Yeah, I was 40 by this time. And the last day that I was nursing, I looked at my sheet. I had 10 patients to take care of, and I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I was so mentally exhausted and frazzled that even the thought of like, you know, 10 people is a lot of people to take care of. Yeah. And I look at my sheet and, and I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't read the sheet. And I knew that I was done. I knew that I couldn't pretend that I was fine. 
So in that moment, I went from the medical unit down to the psychiatric unit and I'm in my nursing scrubs and I, I get there, it's a locked unit and I'm pounding on the door, let me in, let me in. <laughs> they actually called security, get her out, get her out. Oh my, but anyway, that was the beginning. This is in 2008 and I, I spoke to a doctor down uh, in the emergency room and he was the first person who I actually told everything to mm. i mean what um let me backtrack a little bit when i was nine when i was eight when i was 19 i was gang raped in montreal and i never told a soul i and when i was 18 i was drugged and raped uh by a photographer in miami i never told a soul i was uh violated by my first boyfriend at 14 i was i grew up in incredible amount of domestic violence and and you know the dysfunction and sexual abuse i was sexually abused in a foster home uh, up until i was four years old as a very small child oh. all this stuff that just went on that i had repressed so when I'm telling this, and I never even told my mother, nobody, I just, because I felt so ashamed, like you just said, that it was my fault, that, you know, all these things. So when I told the, the doctor um, this for the first time, I, I clearly expected him to uh, say, you know what, we're going to lock you up for a 72-hour observation and we'll diagnose you with either bipolar, schizophrenic, multiple personality, like something. Yeah. But and give me some happy pills. And he says, no, he says, Kathy, there's no amount of happy pills that's going to fix this. <laughs> he says, you need to quit drinking and address the trauma from your past. Mm -hmm. So I did that. And yeah. it doesn't happen overnight. Change takes a lot of time. It takes um, a lot of courage. It, it was very painful events going back. I had to take a 12 week sexual assault recovery course twice in depth i mean the book was this thick in order to heal from all that trauma and to learn to forgive and just all this stuff that i had to do but it, it was by far the best thing that that i could have ever done for myself mm -hmm. nobody can tell you how to how to lead your life or do what you need like i had to figure that out i had to take her i had to find the courage inside face that pain cry the tears write the letters do what i had to do in in order to to get where i needed to be because for the longest time i've known spiritually that there was a lot more to me than what i was living and i didn't talk about this in, in vegas but um there's a very spiritual side to this i've been shown for a long time through dreams and through a lot of different things that there's a purpose for my life and drinking alcohol <laughs> was not one of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've been shown many times that I had to quit drinking alcohol. Mm -hmm. So now that I have my seven years sober and I drive the biggest truck in the world, yeah. um, my job has given me the opportunity and the finances to be able to do what I'm really supposed to be doing. So my job, I work 10 days and I'm up in a mine and that's it. That's all I do is, Eat, eat, sleep, and work. But I get 10 days off, and on those days off, I'm allowed, I, I go, to, I travel. I go to different countries. I, I, I specifically work with women in shelters and prisons. I go to schools. I work with youth in, um, in rehabilitation centers. Um, I, I, I collect school supplies for the little kids. I do all sorts of stuff. And on top of that, I get a month paid vacation. So <laughs> technically, I only work five months out of the year. Technically, it's the you're job living the dream. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And I yeah. love what I do. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like yeah. you, 
your your days off are more hectic than your work days by the sound of it well yes and no because i don't i don't see it i my heart is filled with so much love yeah. speaking of love you can kind of see in my back wall there yeah. it's uh it's my wall of love it's all my the pictures of the some of the students that i deal with some letters that i get yeah. uh some of the people that i work with some thank you notes some cards that people send me kind of like my fan page back there <laughs> so <laughs> um yeah um it, it means a lot to me it really does. So it's not work. It's not, I would rather spend my time early in recovery when I first got this job because I, I, I should be dead 10 times over literally. Mm -hmm. And when I got this job and I knew that God has a bigger purpose for me, spending my time on my days off, sitting on the couch, watching useless TV programs is not in my agenda yeah. because now that I'm 50, I'm like, I am going to have to take whatever time that I have left and the physical ability that I can travel yeah. and the health that goes with it. And I'm going to use that. That's why I wrote the book. And yeah. now I have the dream big workbook coming out and I fully intend on writing a children's book specifically for kids that are being sexually abused yeah. to help them through that trauma. So, right. yeah. Yeah. I can absolutely see that. You've got such a story and such resources to share with people who, who are in that situation. Yeah, you just sort of exude happiness and, and I, I've got it all together. <laughs> but you know, I lived, I've lived too long in darkness. Course, and yeah. I refuse, yeah. now that I'm good, I refuse to, I mean, I cherish every single moment that I have mm. and I live life to the fullest. And, and, I, and I give that to people mm. because there's so many people that are hurting out there. And if I can uplift them in one small way, my day is good, right? Yeah. And that's important to me. It really is. Yeah, that's if, right. it's, not about, it's not about the house that I live in or the car that I drive. I don't care about that. It's not coming yeah. with me in the coffin, right? Who cares? <laughs> but if I can feed a hundred miles in Grenada or, you know, if I can bring school supplies, to me, that is priceless. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The Toothless Joe thing, was that, that was after the nursing, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I went from Toothless <laughs> Joe. <laughs> God, I've been looking for him. Yeah. I started an Operation Hydration uh, program where I, I deliver cold water to the homeless. I put a whole bunch of water, I load up my Jeep in, in the cooler, and I drive around uh, to the homeless, and I give out cold water. Mm -hmm. So I've been looking for him. I've never seen him again. Yeah. He was only in that moment. Right. So he was, he was there to give that message to you, basically, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. I see him as my guardian yeah. angel. I really do. Yeah. Because yeah. it was that slap on the back that changed everything for me, right? Yeah, no. Because two things. What if that hadn't happened? And what if you hadn't been in the frame of mind to accept the message that it was giving you? It's all scary how everything fits together, isn't it? It, it is. You know, I, I, when that happened, it, it's almost like it happened in slow motion because... Mm. I'm looking at him and when he was talking and I'm looking at my dismal surroundings and I knew I had a choice to make and I'm like, this is not who I am. This is not what I'm supposed to be doing. This yeah. just isn't right. Like, no. So yeah, it was just, no, it was either toothless Joe or change. <laughs> toothless yeah. Joe or change. Yeah, this is you, Laura. <laughs> and I didn't want to yeah. look at him anymore. So. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, okay, I got, I got it. <laughs>
Speaking of Toothless Joe, uh, I went from thinking about this homeless to December 6th, I bought my, my first house. Right. Every penny in that down payment was mine. Yeah. Mine alone. And right. what an accomplishment to be turning uh, the key in the lock of the door. I, yes, I'm, I'm, it's yours. <laughs> as yeah. I'm doing that, I'm thinking, if only Toothless Joe could see me now. <laughs> <laughs> I just bought my own house. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, no, and, and I bought it in, a, in a, a rural area. I moved out of the city. I bought it in the base of the mountains. So I go mountain hiking. I bought a kayak. I go kayaking. It's, yeah. That's where I get my peace of mind. Um, yeah. My house has got a beautiful yard. So I just bought a greenhouse. Right. Uh, my mother moved in. My daughter moved in. And so we're just kind of yeah. a nice little oh, happy family. And, yeah. It's yeah. all back together big style yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah how long have you been driving these trucks six years wow six yeah. wonderful years <laughs> and now next next set i'm actually learning i'm starting to train on the biggest grader in the world it is okay you know those those heavy haulers on the highway mm -hmm. the actual 18 wheeler haulers yeah. right yeah. They do food. okay my grader is bigger than that oh wow yeah. I'll have to send you a picture. It's, yeah. it's massive. I'm starting yeah. that next week, next right. set. So. And are there it's, any other women who do this job? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. In my uh, in my on my team, there's 170 men and there's 15 women. Oh, not wow. a lot, right. but uh, right. yeah. I for any lady out there that is looking for a career change, let me tell you, operating heavy equipment is men's best kept secret yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't want women to find out yeah I think so that's, how you, that's how you started your presentation in vegas isn't it with them um, i did i uh, did the power because it's the of, truth of, the power of being in control <laughs> it's <of that>. so <laughs> empowering and it's challenging and it's fun yeah and you make good money right so you become financially independent yeah yeah oh you're making me yeah. jealous it sounds amazing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's good. And it's it's quite early in the morning for you in Canada, isn't it? And it's four o'clock in no half past four in the afternoon here in England. Um, so, okay. so I, I don't want to intrude too much on your day, but okay. before before um, we finish, I want to ask you a question that I ask all my guests, and that is, if the teenage Kathy could see you now what would she be proud of most and what would she wish you'd done differently proud of most is not uh, my career accomplishments because that's it's just a career mm -hmm. it is more learning to stand up and say no learning yeah. to have my own voice mm -hmm. was a huge huge accomplishment um what I would, because I speak to a lot of schools and I speak, I work with a lot of teenagers and the common denominator, the biggest factor is that they don't say anything, mm -hmm. right? They don't, they don't have their own voice. So learning to speak up for myself and the ability to make my own choices and say, no, I'm not doing this. And no, I don't think that's right. Yeah. Um, that has been tremendous in in anything i mean a job is just a job yes i mean we can all go to school and study and get a career it's not so much your career it's who you are as a person mm -hmm. absolutely and what i would definitely recommend to anybody is um if somebody sexually assaults you press charges 
I never press charges to anybody. And man, that is my biggest regret. Right. Have a voice, press charges, follow through, no matter how scary it is, mm -hmm. right? You, you, there's support out there to be with you to do that. Because by my not pressing charges, how many other women were hurt by those men? Mm. Right. Of course. So yeah. that is something that I carry with me. Yeah. And yeah. it bothers me to this day. So yeah. yeah, have a voice, press charges, and you that it, it will give you that empowerment that you know what I did something. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's certainly something that perhaps teenage Kathy would say you should have done differently. I fully intend on coming to speak to your teenagers in the UK. It's on my bucket list. My oh, best friend lives in London. Yeah. And a girl that lives not too far from there who wants me to come and speak to some youth so it's, it's mm -hmm. i'm working on it <laughs> oh wow oh you'll have to let us know when you're in london yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i get 10 days off right i can go spend a week oh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, I, i'm trying to i was i was trying to get to as many women groups and youth groups as i can in london so i'll keep i'll keep you posted yeah do that please yeah okay. <laughs> you mentioned your book and yep. dream big and what how can we get hold of that are you able to send us links that i can put in i can i can do that yeah it's on uh it's on amazon kindle you just okay. type in dream big yeah <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's the only book with a giant truck on the front i know i saw it <laughs> um amazon kindle uh, my my website it's currently under construction so the guy was saying we're having it's just my name.com um yeah Okay, yeah, and did you say it's available in ebook version as well? It is absolutely yeah, yeah. ebook. Yeah, okay, yeah, look at all the, all the links for those then. Oh, well, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. Thank you, so it has, it has, for, um, taking up your morning by <laughs> coming out. Okay, and I'll let you know when I come to the UK. <laughs> oh, do that, yes, thank you so much, Kathy, and I hope okay. to see you again soon. <laughs> okay, thank you, thanks. <laughs> Isn't she a fantastic lady? I do hope I get the chance to meet up with her again. Here's another handy hint. For all you mums and grandmas who have got children going back to school this week, here's one for you. If the little darlings get ink on their uniform, you can remove ink spots by squeezing toothpaste onto it. Then you just scrub it and thoroughly rinse it. And that should lift the ink right out of the fabric. You're welcome. You know my mantras, make it happen, just do it, not too old, not too late, try something new. Well, I am going to practice what I preach again, because when this podcast goes out to you, I'll be doing just that, trying something new. I'll be on a walking holiday in Portugal with my two friends, who are both called Jane. We're walking part of the, the Camino de Santiago de Compostela, and to be honest, apart from a few odd days in the Lake District in England, I've never been on a walking holiday before, and I've never walked in the heat before. So, if I'm not dead, guess what next week's episode's going to be all about? Have a great weekend, and a fantastic week, and I'll see you soon. The Directory of a Dream Life 50 Plus podcast is created and produced by me, Marsha Ogden, and it's available on several platforms. So please keep listening. There are links below in the show notes. And you can also follow me on Facebook. The page name is Marsha at Gurgle It. 
which is M-A-R-C-H-I-A at A-T, Google it, G-U-R-G-L-E-I-T. Or you can have a look at the website, gurgleit.com. There are links below to the website and to the workshops and the journal. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, just drop me a line at marsha at gurgleit.com or leave a voice message on here with details of your topic. Have a fantastic week and I'll see you next time. Oh, P.S. Can you do a P.S. on here? Well, I've done it anyway. Don't forget to send in any hints and tips, life hacks that you want to share with us. Just record your voice message at www.anchor.fm forward slash ddl50 forward slash messages. I still can't say it. See you soon.